what is private governance? Uh, who's the author of this essay and what points is he trying to make? Edward Stringham is a uh, PhD economist. Uh, he was working at Oxford at uh, the time when I came across uh, this article. He published it at the Cato Institute. So he makes the claim that, look, whenever the status say that we need to uh, look out for the free market, one of the things they say is that in the free market, there could be monopolies. This is uh, where one group has almost unlimited power. Under this situation, you'd get higher prices and worse quality than you'd otherwise get under competition. So he says they're completely right about that. Um, and that criticism also applies to the state, even when it comes to protecting people's person and property. Mm. Turns out this is just Edward Stringham's thesis is protecting your person and property is just another good or service that is met far better through voluntarily funded competition than it is through a coercively funded monopoly. So just on mm. the face of it, the mm. mass murder campaigns that the state has engaged in between the world wars, the cold wars, the proxy wars, that alone should uh, make us suspicious of, are these the people who are really keeping us safe and stopping us from Thomas Hobbes's uh, nasty, brutish and short life? Or are mm. they causing far more than they claim to protect us from? Mm. Second, they cage a lot of people for victimless crimes. That is a great violation of life, limb, and property. Have completely unjustified uh, fines for uh, other uh, victimless crimes. And every year they more or less brag. They call it a service, the Internal Revenue Service, mm. taking a significant amount of your money, claiming to cage you if you don't chip in. This mm. is yet another violation of person and property. So is the state a unique protector? Not only is it not a unique protector, Stringham says, but it is in fact a unique aggressor. Compare mm. all the private theft versus all of the theft that the police engage in when it comes to civil asset forfeiture. Washington mm. Post, kindly, I appreciate the post on this one. They said that civil asset forfeiture has actually uh, exceeded uh, private burglaries. So just on mm. that alone, forget about the state, the fact that the state taxes coercively collects trillions of dollars through tariffs and uh, and everything else, uh, and then has a monopoly printing press for uh, whatever uh, money they can't confiscate. Mm. He goes, these are blatant examples of the violation of the thing the state claims to protect. He goes, OK, so we got the principle down. Monopoly bad, competition good. Volunteerism, good. Coer uh, coercion, bad. So the first thing that people say is, well, how would this work hypothetically? And he goes, well, hypothetically, um, you could have organizations that compete against each other and provide security in exchange for money. And the reason they wouldn't necessarily go to war is when you have to bear the cost of violent conflict, mm. you're much less likely to engage in it. Uh, so you're much more likely to come to some sort of agreement. And mm -hmm. we do see this with competitors. Can competitors cooperate? It sounds like a contradiction to uh, the those ignorant of economics. However, if you have a phone from T-Mobile and I have one from Verizon, we're actually able to cooperate. Mm -hmm. When MV7 Sure makes this Dell, com uh, doesn't make the same Dell computer, turns out Dell and MV7 Sure cooperate mm -hmm. with uh, CenturyLink uh internet uh providers and this uh brother printer all of these competitors are actually engaged in cooperation because mm. it actually uh helps things out someone with a gmail can send uh an email to someone with proton mail 
because competitors even have an incentive to cooperate with each other. Same with uh, insurance companies. Mm. Discount tire tires go on to both Ford and Hondas and you know everything else. Mm. So theoretically, they can cooperate. But Stringham says, actually, the case is far better than that. I can't remember the exact example he uses, but he goes back to the Middle Ages and says, here are tons of examples of private governance uh, arising. So what I will do instead is try to extract the lesson and actually give a real world example. I worked with a small business who had experienced ransomware. This is where you log into uh, your business network only to find that your computer is completely black and all of your files are encrypted. And up on your screen is a message that says, all of your files are encrypted. You can't read a goddamn thing. Hmm. Pay us $200,000 and then you can read your files again. We will de-encrypt them. Hmm. Now you can send the money and it's... Now this was, this was not some trivial example. This was, hey, everything we've worked for for the last 10, 15 years, it all uh, went away this morning. Because someone violated our uh, private property. And uh, none of them, they're not a bunch of libertarians either. This is a completely uh, different organization. None of them said, quick call 911, quick call the FBI, call the National Security Agency, because our property rights have been violated. And this is what the state does. First thing they did was they called a private security company in Arizona. This is an IT firm. What that IT firm did was use... Sentinel One, this is a cyber security organization to stop the hacking and protect everything else that was that had survived. They then used uh, PayPal's security team in order to keep their finances uh, adjusted. They contacted their uh, private banks to let the banks know, hey, stop authorizing payments to anyone unless I explicitly give them my stamp of approval. And then they used Google drive backup security in mm. order to uh, keep their previous files uh, th in order to get access to the files that were encrypted because those were saved because Google, a private organization for the most part, um, has the incentive to uh, have happy consumers so they can make more money for themselves. Mm -hmm. So when push came to shove, when it really, really mattered, something so vital, their entire business, they only went to private security. Mm -hmm. One person mentioned going to the state, uh, he wants the computer to be, you know, investigated. Uh, it, but, but literally, the complete opposite of what we're always mm. told. Well, if you're ever in danger, call the government. Right. It's like no one really thought that the state <laughs> would be the most effective approach. They yeah. don't have the knowledge or the incentives to create products or services that are really desirable. So it turns out protecting your person and property is a good or service just like anything else and should be uh, achieved through voluntarily funded competition as opposed to a uh, coercively funded monopoly. Tons of those real-world uh, examples all around us. Uh, I went to the Slipknot concert. Very dangerous place. A lot of people on bath salts and tons of stuff mm -hmm. there. <laughs> and there was private security. I went to the Scottsdale mm. Mall uh, a week ago. Tons of private security. Mm. And there's a lot of high-end stores that could get robbed there. Private security uh, made me feel safe. Every time I go to a Diamondbacks game, private security all around. Disneyland has private security. All these places all around us have the very private governance governments claim that mm. only they can provide. That's the great lesson from uh, Edward Stringham's uh, essay. Yeah, it just, again, from the libertarian standpoint, it's like any...
product or service that's provided by a private market actor tends to be lower lower cost and higher quality than anything provided by a government agency. And it just seems to be a matter of incentives, right? The state is incentivized just to keep you docile and and uh, vulnerable to taxation. They're not not really too concerned with protecting your actual life, liberty, or property. Um, that's a service that's much better rendered by a, a private contractor of some kind. Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and, and of course, private markets have the incentive to not just cater to the 1%. People will say, well, if it, things are privatized, then only the rich can afford them. Mm-hmm. I just got to steal the Michael Malice line of, yeah, if there was only private security, only the rich would have security. And if clothes are privatized, the only clothes will be tuxedos. If cars are privatized, mm-hmm. there will only be limousines. And if food is privatized, there will only be foie gras mm-hmm. and caviar available. Mm-hmm. He goes, no, there's actually an incentive for them right. to not just build yachts, but to meet the mass of consumer demand. So, uh, the, and no, the company, uh, I'm not going to say their name. It was not Walmart, Amazon, Apple, or Google. This was a small company uh, yeah. close to, uh, to to where I live, but they use only private security because it was just more efficient and they have every incentive to cater to mm. the most people for their own profit interests. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. So that yeah. was just uh, an important uh, thing I should have mentioned originally. 